Welcome to a new episode of Doctrine and Doxology. We are very glad that you are here and joining us today on this fine, fine October day. I am Skylar Spradlin here with Larry Jones. You left out the the. The Larry <laughs> Jones. Well, I think we ought to keep everything the same each time. So we're, uh, well, that is out the window now. <laughs> there you go. The Larry Jones. But we and are glad to be here. It is a beautiful day outside. In in Oklahoma, October it yes. is, yeah. I don't know what it's like in Alaska or Indiana. A little colder. A little colder. I don't even know what it's like in Texas. A little warmer. Miserable, I'm sure. A little warmer. But in Oklahoma, western Oklahoma at that, it is a windy yet beautiful fall day. It is. And the ministry wheels are greased and running and here is a shameless commercial. We have a very unique opportunity to bless um, Western Oklahoma churches and 250 people with um, some awesome resources in partnership with Banner of Truth Trust. Uh, if you know them, they um, publish... Uh, kind of Puritan writings and Puritan thinking along that, that kind of line. It's uh, an incredible resource. Anyways, you can look them up, Banner of Truth. Uh, and they have offered for us to be able to bless some churches at an incredible uh, rate and opportunity. So if you think that you would like to help us bless churches, to help churches be healthy uh, with some awesome resources, uh, we sure could use donations right now for that now is this different than our pastors whatever it is it is yes ordinarily all money goes towards that but this is something that has come up um in the last couple of weeks uh, due to certain circumstances where we're able to not just bless the pastor this time right, right. but even the the church even lay people in the church and so uh, this isn't our church, FYI. We're not talking about Trinity. We're talking about the Western Oklahoma Baptist Churches Association here, uh, blessing all of those churches with some great resources. So, um, Well, that sounds okay. Yeah. And thank you to Banner of Truth for making that happen. Uh, there's also some other things coming with Banner of Truth that will be uh, here in Western Oklahoma that we're excited about. Uh, but for now, if people are looking for a way to help strengthen churches, specifically rural, smaller Western Oklahoma churches, uh, this would be a great way to do that. Hmm. Okay. Okay, that's my shameless plug. Where are we at today in our discussion? Last week, we did the doctrine of creation. Yes, God which created is kind of, the world. It's kind of the bedrock, I think, of the gospel. Yeah. Because we, it means we have a God who's creator who we're accountable to. Yes, yes, it is true. So today we're going to talk about God's providence. Providence. 
What is the definition of providence? I'm so glad you asked. Well, yeah, you told me to. Uh, is it Dr. or Mr. Grudem? Dr. Dr. Grudem. We may define God's providence as follows. God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do and directs them to fulfill his purpose. So there's purposes. There seems to be two parts to that definition. The maintain, sustain them as creatures part in creation. Okay. And then the he says cooperating with them and directing them to do his his will and their calling. To cause and them to act as they do and to direct them to fulfill his purposes. Yes. So I would divide that definition into two two areas. Okay. I have a different definition of providence. Um, you would. It's not that different, but it's <laughs> it's more of a simpler, in my mind, a simpler definition. I have always defined providence as the action of God's sovereignty. It was quicker. It was very quicker. Very quick. Much more quicker. It was quicker. Not much more quicker. We, we quicker. do know that God is sovereign. We can yeah. see his hand in our lives. We can look back at our life and we see how God directed our life. And, and his sovereignty brought us to where we're at today. Yeah, but I, I don't... Um, God's sovereignty is kind of his overarching rule over all things. Okay. And the exercise of that rule and that ability, that sovereignty, I have always classified as providence, his working out his sovereignty. Okay. Which means he he is like the sovereign Lord over all things to the degree that he can orchestrate and direct all things. And that is providence, the exercising of his sovereignty. That's good. That's that's my quick Western Oklahoma definition. So someone in Virginia wouldn't have that definition necessarily. Well, I'm saying don't discard Dr. Grudem here, but um, I don't know. Food for thought. People are always yeah. asking me what's the difference between God's sovereignty and God's providence. And I, it, I, I relate the two by saying his providence is the action of his sovereignty. He possesses sovereign power over all things. But when he acts on that sovereignty, he's acting in providence, directing and right, sustaining right. and maintaining and, and causing. But sometimes we see that his actions in his sovereign design are for the ultimate good, but they may seem temporarily bad Confusing. or harmful. Uh, kind of thinking about Paul ravishing the church in Jerusalem causing a dispersion of the Christians into the uttermost parts of the world so they could carry the gospel there. Yes. I think that was all by God's design. 
I think you could. Even though if you were in Jerusalem at the time of Paul's ravaging or Saul's ravaging, you probably would say, This is not good. Wait a minute. This is a bad thing. You could probably say the same thing about the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah. Um, Lots of examples. Job. Yes. uh, Paul's shipwrecks. John's exile. Yeah. That's a good one. And I think there's lots of... So, oh my goodness, here I am on an island. Now what? Well, how about you write Revelation? And write a book for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's worth making a quick note. Um, when we talk about providence and God directing and working all things, we're not saying that God authors evil. No, I wouldn't say so. Because he's not evil. And no, that's that's probably... I mean, it's definitely worth a different discussion, the relationship between God and evil, and that seems to be the, well, at least one of the biggest um, questions that Christians have and that um, people who are skeptical of Christianity and of God, that's one of the biggest obstacles they throw up or questions they throw up. What's the relationship between a good God who's all-powerful and evil? Why doesn't he just end evil? Um, lots of lots of thoughts out there, but just for right now's sake, we're clarifying and saying we're never saying that God, in His providence, is the author of wickedness. He may permit it, yeah, yeah, and allow it, and I would argue bring good from it. Sure, I, I can see that. Because just not just in the examples that we have shared just now where he takes these bad situations and makes them good, but even in allowing and permitting evil into the world, we learn things and know things about God that otherwise we wouldn't know. Second, like Second Corinthians <laughs> like chapter, he can deliver us from evil. Yeah, or the depths of his mercy and forgiving us, or his faithfulness to uh, see us through and preserve us and and um, take care of us, his provisions for us. There's just certain aspects of him that we wouldn't know, or know in a in the full sense that we're able to know if we weren't also struggling against darkness in the world. So I think of Second Corinthians chapter one. Paul says, um, "We." believed that we had received the sentence of death. Indeed, we despaired of life itself. So just this really rock-bottom moment in Paul's life, we thought life was over. But that was so that we might be comforted by God and then in turn comfort you with the same comfort with which we were comforted. And so Paul says we we got to this real bottom, rock-bottom place and, and not dismissing it. We thought we... Life was over. We were really grieved. But it's in that place, that real dark spot, that we learned something very unique about God's comforting us, His presence, His nearness, His grace. And that has helped us to comfort you. Right. And so there's things we learn about God as we go through the trials of this life that we wouldn't otherwise know. Uh, but for now, we're saying God is not the author of evil, though He may permit bad things to happen so that we can relate to him more intimately. Right. Or further his ultimate purpose. Or dispense justice or discipline. Yeah, all of those things. 
So in providence, there's always that question, how does God relate to evil? There are answers, but we're saying right now, in, in the scheme of providence or the scope of providence, God may permit um, difficult, bad things. But like you said earlier, he's always working to bring good out of it. Right. Okay. Okay, you've had enough of that. Well, next subject. I've got a couple of highlighted sections here. I thought I might mention them. Mention away. Mention away. Uh, this is under preservation as a subtopic of uh, God's providence. This, yeah, I think that's the first part of this definition. Uh, God keeps all created things existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them. And then he gives several scriptures like Hebrews, Hebrews 1, 3. 3. Yeah, there you go. Uh, tells us that Christ is upholding the universe by the word of his power. And then Colossians 1, 17 says of Christ that in him all things hold together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in him... We live and move and have our being, Acts, Acts. seventeen twenty eight, And Ezra, quote this one, buddy. <laughs> you are the Lord, you alone. You have made the heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. Ezra. And the host of heaven worships you. Ezra 8. Yes. Ezra Maybe. Doesn't say. <laughs> you said yes. I'm taking it. <laughs> Credit. Yeah. Of course, God sustains all things. He sustains the, the smallest detail in creation to the grandest object in the whole universe. Nothing has its existence without God. Sure. Everything dispenses of its own energy to survive, but God sustains everything and never once weakens in an ounce or a degree or anything. He's the that, holder of all things. That gives us complete adoration mm. and awe of God, and we yeah. worship Him because of these things. Absolutely. So not only did He bring all things into existence as Creator, He sustains all things as God. Yeah. And the sustaining of those things is the act of His providence which I would say, again, is the exercise of his sovereignty. The next uh, bullet is B, concurrence. God cooperates with... No, I'm sorry. God... Yeah, that was right. God cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. What do you think about that, big boy? I think it's interesting that he uses the word cooperate. And I think it's a good word. Ephesians 1.11 has a verse here. God works all things by the counsel of his own Paul will. Paul says that God accomplishes our works, all things according to the counsel of his will. Hmm. Inevitably, the discussion of God's providence comes up. And we ask the questions about humanity and man's responsibility and free will. And we know that God has given us a measure of freedom. And maybe we should get into that discussion. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's in the book here. Well, God has given us a measure of freedom. So I'm jumping ahead, I guess. Yep. Um, 
Not very far, just a couple of pages. And yet at the same time, God providentially works in the lives of humanity. But that's never, the Bible never says that absolves us of responsibility or that God works in such a way where we're like robots, unaccountable or right. or without right. choice or freedom. So I'm saying I think his word cooperating there is very good. I don't know exactly how God does that. But in some way, he maintains complete providential sovereign control while permitting human freedom. Right. And that's that's a cooperation that I think only he can but work out. But it's almost out. like he, yes, we're free, but he is also moving us in the direction that he want us to, wants us to move. Well, what's the, I don't remember the reference, but I think it's in Proverbs, the Heart of the king is like a river in the hand of God, and he directs it where he yeah, wants yeah. it to go. Yeah, it's in here. As a matter of fact, I read that earlier today. Um, I was reading last night, what is it, Genesis 20 or 21, where Abraham and Sarah lie to Abimelech, and uh, he takes Sarah yeah. as his wife, and God appears to him in a dream and says, you're a dead man because you've taken a man's wife. And, um, well, here, let me look it up because okay. the language is, is really good. Abimelech says, hey, wait a second. Uh, they lied to me. Would you destroy an innocent man? And God says, no. And I know the situation. Um, it's better if I read it. Verse 4 of chapter 20 in Genesis. Now, Abimelech had not approached her, that being Sarah, Oh, let me back up. Okay. Back away. Verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man. Oh, I just like that. <laughs> I don't want it to happen to me. but You are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, Abimelech had not approached her. which means no relations with her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself... Uh, say to me, she is my sister. And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. There you go. That's what we're talking about. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then return the man's wife. Yeah. Very interesting, isn't it? It is. It kind of shows that very thing. Grudem said, similar to what you said earlier, uh, God causes all things to happen, but he does so in such a way that he somehow upholds our ability to make willing, responsible choices, choices that have real and eternal results and for which we are held accountable. Yeah. So he was going to hold Abimelech accountable, but he also says, I kept you from sinning against me. Right. I didn't let you touch her. We have other examples later on at the end of Genesis and the first part of Exodus and throughout the, the book of Exodus where Moses is interacting with Pharaoh who didn't know the people of, of Israel, didn't know Joseph, didn't know the descendants. And God, we're told, hardens his heart. Right. So that his power will be displayed, he'd be glorified, and he would deliver his people. And we, 
we can see through the rest of the scriptures why he did that. He often, I think it's one of his favorite designations, often refers to himself as uh, the God who delivered you from Egypt, who brought you up Correct. out of the land of Correct. Egypt. And he says to Israel over and over, remember the signs that I did in delivering you from Egypt. And so there, there's an example there in Genesis where God keeps a man from sinning. There's an example there in Exodus where God causes a man to have, to a, have hardened a hard heart. heart. His sin was his own. His sin was his own, but he had a hardened heart. And God held him responsible for that. Right. So we fast forward and we look at Paul interacting with that principle in Romans chapter 9. And he says, some vessels are created for wrath and some for mercy. Right. And that's when he quotes uh, Pharaoh's heart being hardened, God choosing Jacob over Esau, all of those sorts of things. And he says, so that God would be known and God would be glorified yeah again it's very comforting it, to know that God is sovereign over all these issues yeah it's his providence working out to an ultimate good end now some would look at this and they'd say hey, hey how's that how's that fair right like it's not fair that God hardened Pharaoh's heart but I, w I would say time out Pharaoh's heart was already hardened He's a sinner. Right. Right. That, that's, that seems to be the number one complaint to me from unbelievers or people who don't understand God's providence. Um, well, it's not fair that God's not going to give them an opportunity to not to not get out of hell or not go to heaven or this, that or the other. To which I say, actually, that's justice. We all deserve hell. Yes, we, we all do. deserve our hearts to be hardened. We all deserve punishment from God. We all deserve God's rejection. It's pure mercy and grace that he saves any of us. Right, right. And so the acting out of his providence, even in matters like this where he hardens Pharaoh's heart, it's not an unfair or unjust act. He's continuing in the trajectory of Pharaoh's sin. Right. Or, or whoever. Yeah, and it's all in the ultimate plan of God to bring about redemption for mankind. Yeah. Working through the tribe of Israel, working through the tribe of, I mean, the, the nation Israel and the tribe of Judah, through the yeah. Davidic line to bring about a, a Jesus coming to earth to uh, become our propitiation. Yeah, I was just reading that in, in Romans 11, um, as a matter of fact, just how God... Paul says God was, was working in the Gentiles to make the Jews jealous so that they'll come back to him. Yeah. Because God wants, wants them all saved. And if the exclusion of the Jews means the salvation of the Gentiles, how much more will their inclusion mean for the rest right, of us? Right. And so he's like, in all of these things, God is working to an ultimate good of, of redemption for humanity. Yeah. For, for those who are in Christ by faith. Right, so when we think of God's providence, we should just praise Him for it. Yeah, it it's really the exercising of His will to that end. To that that means that that end of redeeming sinners in Christ. He's, I guess you could you could apply this to all aspects of life. Yeah, to our personal walk with God, 
to our government and what's going on there to another government who's uh, creating a war against someone else. Uh, yeah. God's providence, and we may not understand it all, but we still just trust God that he is in control and we're his. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that we sit back in this world as apathetic bystanders or observers. Uh, we're still called to act, to live out the Christian faith, yeah. to execute yeah. justice, to do righteous works, to, to do the work of the kingdom of God. In none of this, in none of God's providence, does that mean that we sit back and don't have a responsibility? We still have an active part to play in the work and kingdom of God. Yeah, I was but thinking about the good works that God has pre-planned for us to do. Ephesians two ten. Maybe. Go ahead. Well, I don't have it here. I don't. Oh, that's not your Bible. It would be in this one. You want me to look? Are you faster than me? Let's see. Uh -huh. Yeah, because you have okay. to unzip Start yours. Start the clock. Nuh -uh. What is there a, a Titus? I don't have it. Oh. What is there a Titus? Uh, two, two, 11 through 14. Yeah. yeah it says something. I also. like that. At the end of that, it says there's uh, it says something good works that he's planned before for us to do or something like that. Here's Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Yeah, so to be a Christian means to be joining God in the work of redemption. We don't save people, but we further the kingdom and the causes yeah. of the kingdom, which is redemption. So... God's providence doesn't reduce us to the sidelines watching. In fact, God's providence draws us into the game, draws us into the work. And we do it now with confidence that God is in control and absolutely will bring all things to the right end. So I was thinking about, you know, us as Christians and we go through life and we see somebody in need and we feel the need to help them. And so we help them, and in the in this process, we get to converse with them, possibly about where we go to church, possibly about how uh, God helps us help others. Yeah. Uh, and through that, this person can come to know Christ as a uh, Savior. Yeah. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, but it all starts with God's providence. Yeah. You know, there's this person had a flat tire. This person had the desire to help. Or Jesus, uh, all from God. Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4. She thinks it's just an ordinary day where she's going out to draw water in the middle of the day. But Jesus knows exactly that he has an appointment with her. Yes. And he's going to go uh, tell her everything she ever did, as she says. And she's going to become a follower. God is working all things providentially for the salvation of sinners. Amen. There's a lot of comfort in that. Yeah, there is. Yes, there is. Well, I think we've barely scratched the surface on providence, but that's to be expected. Uh, usually this creates more questions in people, which is good. We need to think through God's providence. That's not something that we have imagined as humanity. We haven't created this idea or illusion of God's providence. It's in the Scriptures. It's in the Bible. God does work all things according to the counsel of His own will. And so we have to try to wrestle with what does that look like in life and how does that play out in 
uh, even though it's beyond our comprehension, we need to try to wrap our minds around our freedom and God's providence. Right. Uh, it's good and healthy for us, and it's the way that God's revealed himself to us. So I hope this has been helpful, at least to start the thinking process for some. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think about it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's one of my yeah. favorite subjects. Yeah. It's comforting, like you've said. It's comforting to me. Well, brother, how can people get in touch with us? They can do so on the social medias, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. They can do so at our brand new website, DoctrineDoxology.com. And there you can fill out contact us forms. You can send us direct emails. You can find out what we're about, who we are, and what we're doing. You can also donate to help us try to bless churches to establish healthy churches and strong churches and to do that through uh, investing in their pastors. Great opportunity. Yep. That's my plug. Okay. It's my advertisement. Advertisement? Advertisement. If I was in England. Old England. Really old England. Advertisement. Okay. Fade away. Let me pray. Our Holy Father, we thank you for today, for the opportunity to share and the opportunity to study your word, the opportunity to look at your providence and uh, just try to understand a little bit of how wonderful you are. Thank you for uh, allowing me in your providence to hear the gospel. Thank you for stirring my heart and giving me the faith to receive the gospel. And thank you for saving my soul. Thank you that I am now a member of the family of God. And uh, no matter what happens, I am yours. And that's such a great joy and a great peace. So, Father, please, uh, I pray that you give us opportunity to share that glorious gospel with others. Help us to do so well and help us to uh, walk in obedience. We love you. And thank you so much for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.